0: Hey y'all Welcome to Holy Coitus, a community of hosts. H-E-A-U-X. We are humans who engage in consensual coitus, are kind to ourselves and partners, creative, fully embodied, unapologetic, powerful, and free. My mission is to encourage everybody and everyone to claim or reclaim their sexual agency and voice, regardless of what parts you were born with or changed, where you live, what you did in the past, what you learned in the past, what you plan to do in the future. Whether you've had zero sex partners or countless a week, your whole story is welcome here. You are welcome here. Hey, hey, y'all. It's me, Janaeem. Welcome to my podcast. Holy coitus. I'm so glad you found me in my little corner of the world. Y'all, I have been so sick the last week or so. My lungs have made me sound like the unsexiest version of an ovulating walrus. Not cool at all. But I'm on the mend, and I hope that you are not getting sick. And if you are, drink hot water like these local folks where I'm at say. And also, take your vitamins. Maybe maybe even take a nap. Whatever your fancy is. Do that thing that brings you happiness and joy. As long as it's not something that makes you go to jail, it should be just fine. Today's episode, her name is Kat Delmar and she's amazing. You can find her on the internet at Cat Mangrove and that is on Instagram and Twitter. Her story of going from narcissist abuse to being a trauma ho, to um, surviving church to becoming a sea witch goddess it's phenomenal, and I can't wait for you to hear her story. So, without further ado, y'all. Oh, oh, one more thing. Check out my work, my T-shirts, my merchandise, all past host stories, the recordings, and all with blah 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 on Instagram at Holycoitus. H e a u x l y c o i t u s. It's a movement, y'all. So, without further ado, for real this time. This is my podcast conversation with Kat Delmar. Enjoy y'all. Okay everyone welcome to Holy Coitus. My name is Renea or Miss Holy Coitus and I have a host story for you all today and I'm super 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 excited about this one because I've been following her for a while now and she writes great things and um, she's also kind of like my, my secret hero. So can you explain who you are? What's, what's your name? Where are you?
1: All right, I'm Kat Del Mar. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Cat Mangrove, but Cat like the animal, Mangrove like the tree. Um, and yeah, I just write about my experiences with religious deconstruction, um, addiction, a little bit, um, spirituality. Uh, and witchcraft, <laughs> and just like how, you know, I was able to form a new spirituality and how that healed me from, you know, religious and spiritual abuse and issues with addiction.
0: Boy, yes. I have so many follow-up questions because I want to know about all of those intricacies. Okay, so uh, let's start with where, like the the beginning of your story with the, religious upbringing can you talk to us about like what that looked like what it felt like for you as a person
1: sure yeah so um my parents are jamaican and my dad you know he was raised seventh-day adventist um so he you know his mom was a seventh-day adventist his uncle was a pastor in the church in jamaica um and you know obviously my mom converted to to Seventh-day Adventism, you know, in order to marry him, Mm -hmm. Um, but she was, through my lifetime, like, through the time that I was a child up until now, she was never very devout, and even my father wasn't very devout. My mom, she would work on Saturdays, you know, she really wouldn't, I can't even remember one time that she came to church with us, so she was Seventh-day Adventist in name only, but, like, my dad, when I was a kid, he tried to take my sister and I to church kind of inconsistently. Because he, as I've seen, I don't even think he really believes in Seventh-day Adventism as much as, you know, he he claims to believe in it. And as time has gone on, I've noticed that he has kind of fallen away from the strict tenets. But he was never, like, super strict. My dad, you know, he, he tried his best, but I think he was resentful of the fact that he, he him and his wife did not have a cohesive plan to raise their kids in a religion. Mm. And so... You know, I I went to school with my, you know, uh, went to church with my dad when I was a child. And then I moved away with my sister and my mom, because I was living in South Florida, and then we moved away to North Florida, to like Jacksonville. And so literally, it was my mom, my sister, and I in this strange racist-ass town. And Mm. she was going to work all the time, so we couldn't go to church um, until I was 16 and I had my own car. So I was like, okay, bet, I'm going to try again to be a little bit more religious because when i was a kid i mean what did i know I, I would go to church but i didn't really have many thoughts on it i was like this is boring i'm tired my dad would sneak me some gum during church so i could chew on it it wasn't <laughs> that bad it was boring as it was boring as hell and so when i was 16 i was like okay now i'm old enough i want to be a more devout christian more devout Adventist. and i don't even know why i i really had that inkling mm-hmm. maybe maybe my dad you know what, my dad would sometimes, like, say, well, I tried to raise you guys right, but, you know, I didn't really have all the help, so he would, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it, he would um, kind of make comments, slick out the mouth, kind of passive-aggressive comments about my mom, Mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I can be a good Seventh-day Adventist, maybe if I'm a good Seventh-day Adventist, my dad will love me, Mm -hmm. so when I was 16 I, I tried to go to the church to try to be more devout, and um, you know, I was involved in the youth group, and I was, like, pretty close to the pastor, and I had some good friends. It was a very small church there um, outside of Jacksonville. And I just—the pastor that was there, he was from South Africa. You know, there were some—I uh, guess it would be some rumors that he was vaguely racist. Ooh. I mean, they were super conservative. Like, they didn't—I mean, my ears weren't pierced until— I was 16 and I was going to church and I got my ears pierced. And I remember having to hide them. Um, and people judging me for having freaking piercings in the air. I can't even believe this now because I got piercings all over now. Now I got a nose ring I got a tongue ring, a lip ring, I got belly button ring. Like I have, I have piercings galore now. So the thing that I ever cared, uh, yuck. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm free
0: now. I'm free. Yeah. But um,
1: yeah. Freedom!
0: We made it. Uh, we yeah, have made it. Yeah, I made it. I'm gone. <laughs> and I'm not Back, mm. but, and,
1: so yeah, this things like that like bearing pants was looked down upon, just having just you you had to spend all the time with the church, and like there was even some grooming that was happening with one of the um elders in the church, mm. and like some weird shit happened. Like, there's one time, like, he tried to like feed me some food in my mouth, and I was like, this feels odd, like, it feels kind of mm. low key sexual so and I, but i'm 16 i don't i had no experiences i hadn't, i had only kissed a person once so I, wow. I was very much virginal um but yeah so that was weird so i was like you know what i want to have my ears pierced this is just not the move anymore there was there was you know i remember dealing with some some kids in the small group that were Kind of was rude to me, and I just felt like I didn't fit in, even at that church, as small as it was. There were some people that were nice to me. Like, there was, like, an older couple. Mm. Like, one of the guys was was one of the church elders' sons, and then he had a girlfriend who had converted to Seventh-day Adventism. They never did me anything wrong. They treated me pretty well. I mean, they were super devout, but, like, they were nice to me. They took me to the mall to get food, whatever. Like, they were good to me. So I don't have any beef with them. So then in college... You know, I ended up in undergrad. I tried again after falling off for some years. I tried again to be more devout. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's the same control. And they're, they're trying to tell me what to do, what I can wear, you know, how my earrings should be, what my sex should be. Just all this stuff. It was just like, I can't fit into this. I don't fit in. I had dreadlocks at the time. And that's another theme that I realized in church. There's a lot of misogyny and a lot of racism. I like got yeah. the dreadlocks. And all the, girls, all the girls loved my dreadlocks. They were always running their, their hands through my dreadlocks. Ooh. But the guys didn't like it. The guys never liked it. The guys were like, you know, one guy said to me, an Adventist dude, an Adventist, you know, young adult at this point, in small group, he was like, you know, I would never want a woman with dreadlocks. And I was like no one was talking to you. Like, I don't don't want you either. Like, no, I don't want you either. So I don't know what you're pressed about. Like, no one's talking to you. I'm not doing this for you. Right. You know, and everyone else likes it. You're the only one that's over here all salty. So there was, again, you know, I just, I I couldn't fit in. And at that time, that's when I started dealing with some addiction issues. Like, I was sexually assaulted in college Mm. um, after my first semester of college. So I was struggling. And maybe that's why... I got sexual assaulted at 19 and then I tried to be more devout after that during, during college. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I had a boyfriend and I was having sex with him. It wasn't healthy sex. It -hmm. was codependent. It was, it was, it was turning compulsive and it was, it was, it was kind of abusive. It Mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't good. So how can I be a devout Adventist if I'm dealing with what had started, started turning into an addiction? It's like after I got assaulted. Um, you know, during a winter break, stuff started spiraling. Yes. Yeah. and I was like, "Oh, fuck this church thing! Like, this is not working. Like, and I can't get a healing here. I can't. I can't disclose to them what's going on with me. They're not trying to help me. Mm. You
0: know, they're
1: not here for me. Now. And I knew they weren't. I knew they weren't. So I was like, uh, I just fell off again.
0: Mm.
1: And. So then I, you know, graduated from undergrad and I was well into, like I had, I had a sex and love addiction. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, because the thing is, drugs, alcohol, whatever, of course I dibbled and dabbled in them because college, uh,
0: because, <laughs> <'Cause Laura>. college. <laughs> <laughs> because college, because yep. college, as a human, Yes. <laughs> i a complete square, Sure. <laughs> but,
1: uh, <laughs> you know, and we just,
0: Weed is is not a drug, it's a medicine. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Pause really quick on this story. So I have to tell you guys, like I live in China, right? And all drugs are illegal here. And I came from Denver, which where weed is very legal and it's everywhere. And I didn't smoke or use it when I was in Denver. And when I tell you every day, <laughs> think about weed. I'm like, you know what would make today better? A joint. <laughs> and I can't have it. And I told I told my family and my friend I, I told my people back home I was like, look, I don't care who is coming to pick me up at the airport, but I need the blunt to be this big and I need it to be hot and ready for me to smoke it. And I will be high for five days. <laughs> and then and then after that I'll be okay. But I just need five days oh to leave God. me alone. <laughs> Okay, that was my little thing. I just had to, look, I had to get that out. That was so <laughs> that was, I loved it. That's hilarious. Man. But yeah, so, you know, I, I would
1: dibble and dabble and things, but, like, I never really... I, I didn't need alcohol. I didn't need drugs. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to cut my throat. One second.
0: <laughs> Sorry. It's okay, friend.
1: So I, I'm drinking some juice. So... You know, but it's the it's the addictive relationships that I was in. Mm. It's the codependency. I would go after these emotionally avoidant people. So that was my addiction. Yeah. You know? And so I had all that through undergrad. <clears throat> I went back home for a stint and then I went to, to, to college. And not to college, so to grad school, for mm. veterinary school. And my addiction was still there. Mm. And I tried one last time. You know, answering your question—not sorry that this is so long—but like answering the question of like my religious stuff, I tried <laughs> one last time to kind of, because I would always try to white knuckle it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it wasn't working. Like during um during my time between undergrad uh, and, and, and school uh for vet school, uh, you know, up up north, I tried to join a twelve step program for my addiction, but I was still fucking up. I was still just. Screwing people that that were not on my level, that mm-hmm. were emotionally avoidant, and it just it was the same cycle over and over and over again. I just could not get a healing, no matter how much twelve step therapy I did.
0: Mm-hmm. Nothing
1: worked. So then I went up to to, to to um to vet school up north, and it was just I tried one more time. I went to the church because the pastor was cute. I'm not even gonna front. Like he was hot. He was hot and he was yeah. young. Whatever. <laughs> Ah. And so, and, but the thing is, everyone else, all the other girls thought he was hot and young too. Yes. So it was, it was kind of like, there was a lot of buying for his attention, and it was really weird, and like,
0: mm. I think people just
1: wanted to hit, and so they were just like really protective over him.
0: Mm.
1: And I remember one time, I was talking with him in his office, and, 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 because he had wanted to meet with me because I was a new, a new parishioner. And he's like, oh, so what are you looking for here? And I was like, is this a place where you can get a healing from addiction? I literally asked that question. Mm. And he said, yeah. Bitch, no, it wasn't. Okay? Ah! For, not for me. Yeah. Not
0: for me
1: because they were trying to control my every move. They wanted me to be at the church all the time. They were convicting me, saying I had to, you know, at church on a Saturday. had to be doing this whole Sabbath thing. They didn't give a shit about my schooling. Mm. And I was like, this... I, I knew they were all snubbing me. That I, you know, I would not be on church at church all the time. They were all snubbing me. They were judging me. So I was like, you know what? I'm gone.
0: Wow.
1: I'm gone. I'm done. And then all those 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 shootings of unarmed black men happened in like two, 2016. Yeah. And all my classmates, all the Christians in my school, they didn't give a shit about me or those black people or yeah. those brown people or those trans people. And I was like, this is not it.
0: Uh speak on this it. This is not it. Mm. So then
1: I left. And I was like, it's time to, like, get into some ancestor shit. Because this, this Christian shit
0: ain't working for me anymore. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Okay, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, have you yeah. de- delved into, like, the part of you that felt that... Because um, Okay, so, like, as you were sharing your narrative, there were three or four times when you are like, I'm going to try this religious thing... And I'm going to do be really hard. So is that like determination to do something with rules um, and have guidelines? Is that connected to your story somehow, or is it like, or is it more of like a this is all that I know, and so I'm going to go back to what I know in order to try to fix it? Like, what what was the thing that made you go, keep going back to um, this religion?
1: Well, that's a good question. <coughs> So I think it's a couple of things as I'm thinking about it. I think trying to be a better Adventist, a better Christian, was my way of trying to ingratiate myself with my father. Mm. Because I I mean, I'm just on this podcast I know you can just be open and honest. I know I wasn't my dad's favorite because I'm too loud. I'm not a boy. Mm. I'm too dark, because mm. he wanted a white kid, that's what he wants, Yeah. okay, I'm just, I'm just gonna be real, I'm just gonna keep it 100, he, 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 he doesn't love his blackness, mm. and so, you know, and, and you know, he, he was raised as a devout Adventist, so, you know, I think that was a way for me to g- gain his love, mm. I think, and to maybe just try to get him to accept me, Yeah. Um. and even, like, his mom, I remember one time, she's like, you got your ears pierced. Can't believe you did that, Monsieur. Say your your mother let you do that, and I was like, no, my mom didn't make me do this. I did. I disobeyed all y'all, and I did it. Don't blame my mom. Uh, so it was kind of like there's this control piece that even though my dad wasn't super religious, there was like you. I know we wanted somebody that was more pious in general, pious yeah. and quiet and white. <laughs> And that's what he wanted. So I was trying to be that good, you know, Christian, you know, you know, uh, Adventist, uh, just a good Westernized Christian. Yeah. Even though this is a black African woman body, I was trying to do that. I was trying to fit this damn square into this damn circle, this damn peg square <laughs> into this damn circle hole.
0: It just doesn't fit.
1: Yeah, yeah, for real. So, and then, that's one piece. And then the other piece is that you know, my, my I grew up in a very emotionally avoidant home, where my it was sexually avoidant, sexually anorexic. My parents, there was no, there was no chemistry there, there was no love there. Um, you know, that was my model growing up. So I figured, okay, sex is bad. I, I, sex is shameful. Um, you know, it, it's it's wrong to be doing it outside of marriage. That's all. That's the only message I got about sex growing up. Mm. That, but Christine, are you going to have sex? This is the question that I'm asked at eight years old. Are you going to have sex? I was like, uh, no. And and he's like, my dad's like, good. That's all I ever got about sex. Wow. That's the only conversation I ever got about sex, ever, from, my, from either parent.
0: And how old were you at that time when you had that conversation? I was like
1: eight. I think there was a commercial online about, not online, a commercial on the TV about AIDS or some like that. Yeah. I don't fucking know. But my dad turned over to me. He's like, you're not going to have sex, are you, Christy? And I was like, uh, n- yeah, no, no, I'm going <laughs> to And he's ah. like, good. <laughs> That's the only conversation i ever got. Yeah. My parents, they slept in separate, separate beds. So I wow. never... One time, my, my dad tried to hug my mom up when I was like five or six. He scratched his ass. And he was bleeding. Wow. And so... so and he's like, Christine, look what your mother did to me. And I was like, what the fuck? So that's what it means to be close? Ugh, fuck that shit. So yeah. I really tried to just reel the, any sexual feelings. Although I was always a very sexual person. I tried to reel those in real bad. And I think going to church and each time at 16, at, at, at um, 21, 22, at 27, 28, trying to go back and back was my way of white-knuckling it and trying to reel that part of... Mm. Myself in, especially as my addiction was growing, because mm. you know, I, I I was assaulted at nineteen. But there's some childhood stuff that happened, mm. you know, that I I'm still trying to work through repressed memories and stuff like that. Mm. Because the way I thought about sex as a kid, I don't think it was developmentally appropriate. Hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: You know. So that yeah, that's why I kept on going back to try to get close to my father and to try to control. What well, I thought sex was bad. That was the message I got. Sex was bad. It's only for marriage. And I shamed myself throughout this time. Every time I had sex, I didn't enjoy sex any time until now that I'm thirty one.
0: Wow.
1: I, I hated sex. I only did it because I was compulsed. I never enjoyed it.
0: Yeah.
1: It was always addictive Mm
0: hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I is- was a hoe without the fun. I, yeah. had a phase. I trauma had a ho face. Trauma ho face. Can you talk a bit more about like what it what it means to be a trauma ho Um that's that's a really I don't want to say it's a beautiful description, but it's it has layers. Yeah. So what is that what does that look like and feel like and what to um put those two things together? What's up?
1: I'm trying to say this concisely. So, yeah, when I was 19, I had just started, well, well even before, 18, I, I was just starting undergrad, right? And I had, this is going to make sense, I had this dog that my aunt had given to my family without really our consent, and yeah. so my dad was taking care of the dog in South Florida while I was about to go to school, go from, you know, outside of Jacksonville to, to school in Gainesville, and I was like, Mom, can I please have this dog? She said, no. So I was like, fine, I'll obey you like a good Christian, and I will not have the dog, but after my first year, I'll live in the dorms, and then I will take this dog, and it'll be mine. That The winner of my first year, after my first semester of college, my dad gave the dog away. Without telling me. And I'm a veterinarian, so imagine how much animals mean to me. This is my life's work. Mm -hmm. My dad gives the dog away. So after that, I was like, Fuck it. My dad doesn't give a shit about me. No one cares about me. I, already, I mean, I already figured that out. But now I really know. You couldn't even ask me. I would have broken my lease. I would have done anything for that nasty, shit-eating dog. He ate shit. And he <laughs> ran away and he was flea-ridden. But I loved him. Yeah. You know? And so I was like, forget it. And so I ended up getting... I, that winter, I didn't want to have anything to do with my dad. Because I didn't trust him anymore. I mean, I knew he didn't love me. I figured he didn't love me.
0: Mm.
1: So I ended up... um. Getting a meeting, somebody while I was getting my dreads twisted, actually, and you know, I ended up having a sexual experience with him that wasn't consensual,
0: mm.
1: and so that was my first sexual experience. So it was forged in trauma. Well, yeah. how about this? My first sexual experience as an adult mm. that I can consciously remember fully. You know, I, I clearly said no, and this person still proceeded to sexually assault me, and so you have trauma right there and it's kind of like i knew i couldn't talk to my parents about it because sex was bad so there's a the trauma of the act and then the trauma of not even being able to disclose this i didn't tell my parents i was assaulted for seven years because i figured i'd be blamed and i did get blamed
0: mm. um
1: i got blamed after seven years mm. um but anyway so that like it, it flipped the switch for me and i was like well well, who cares now? Like, like obviously, I'm not I'm not cared for. If I could just be assaulted like this, I have no one to go to about this. And you know, I just started spiraling. Like, I would get into this relationship, and then I would hook up with this person. I get drunk at this party. I, you know, I would you know, you know, use these drugs just to numb the pain away. Yeah. You know, I would abuse abuse weed so that I wouldn't have to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just was a cycle of. Devaluation and, and, and meaningless sex, and emotional avoidance, Yeah, and just emotional anorexia, really, but, like, I was sexually active, but I was only just having sex, like, as a compulsion, there was no lingerie, there was no sensuality, there was no, there was no, like, uh, there was no love, like, there was mm-hmm. no connection, it was just, I just gotta get off, I just gotta get go. off.
0: Again, and again, and again, and again, and again. <laughs> and
1: so, if there yeah. was nothing, I think that's what a trauma hoe is. A, a, a person that's, you know, that their, their sexuality was, was forged in trauma. Like, there's no enjoyment, and there's no, it's not edifying. Yeah. It wasn't edifying. And I think sex is one of the things in life that shouldn't be edifying. I had to learn that l- later in life, because I couldn't make sure I wasn't taught that. Mm. And my experiences up until just recently were very bad.
0: Yeah, right. Oh, man. So <clears throat> you had the repression in the, as a kid, and then the sexual assault, and then your trauma-ho thing. Um, when did you realize, like, I need to do something different and move away from trauma-ho into Whatever this new season of your life is. That. Oh, yes.
1: Okay. So, when did I realize that I really need to make a change? Needed to make a change?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, okay, that's a good question. Because even when I realized that something had to give, <laughs> I still struggled for years after that. It, it was bad. Because sure. oh, people never believed that I had an addiction.
0: Because if you're, if, and that's one thing that, as a black woman who is really, really, really smart, and you're a black woman, really, really, really smart, when we have like trauma and all of this mental stuff, we can hide it so very well, um, because we're still highly functioning people, but we're like a mess on the inside, and people are like, "But you get good grades, and you have all this stuff," and you're like, "But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a puddle. I can't, I can't get out of bed. Like it's really I'm bad. A fucking mess. A I was mess." A fucking
1: wreck. Yeah, yeah, a mess, and I, I would talk to, like, my best core friends about it, um, but even to this day, I don't think they really get, maybe they need to listen to this fucking podcast actually. and I love them, mm-hmm. but maybe they need to listen to this, and then maybe they'll be like, oh, it mm. actually was an addiction, Yeah. you know, and so, pretty much, like, I remember it was 2014, I was preparing to get ready to, to you know, get ready for vet school, you know, and I was a mess. But pretty much, I remember I was talking to two guys at once, and this was, I think this was like the, I want to say this was, maybe this was 2013, 2014, this was 2013. Mm. Oh yeah, it was 2013, it was, it was around December 2013, I remember, because there was one night where I was running, it was December 31st, and I remember I was running, jogging on December 31st, on New Year's Eve, I was like, I got to get rid of this shit. I got to get rid of this shit. Like, I'm jogging past my, you know, past the sign of my neighborhood. And I'm like, I got to end this addiction. Like, this is crazy. I know I'm addicted. So, I remember I was talking to this one guy. I drove up, like, an hour away from my, from where my parents lived. And, like, I went to the bar. He root-feeded me in my ass.
0: Oh, <laughs> he my,
1: my god And his parents came home. And I had to sneak out of the house in his shirt and pants.
0: Wow. It
1: wasn't, like, I was like,
0: wow.
1: this, is, this is insane. He room my fuck. I was like, what happened? And that's how I remember. This bitch room me. Wow. Yeah. So then I got home, and I remember just being on the couch and just being like, this ain't it. Like, I just Googled sex addiction, sex and love addiction, and then I found some forums where I could talk with you about that. Mm-hmm. And you know I was talking to, I was talking to another guy at the same time who lived in Orlando and I was I would just pack up and leave and go to Orlando without telling my parents. and like he was a narcissist. Mm. And so that also prompted me to, to research himself because he was a gaslighting narcissist oh. So that was weird. Mm. Um, and so I was like, I need help. Um, so I was on the forums. I was like, oh, like codependence. Oh, romantic addiction. Oh shit. This yeah. I can relate. It ain't different, yeah. and so, so um, months later, you know, I was talking to some pothead or whatever, you know, because he would give me weed. So I was like, okay, cool, whatever. You <laughs> know, I'm here trying to be a doctor, and I'm over here with this weed head.
0: You, you got make work. it work. Yep.
1: Weed is weed head. <laughs> and so I was, I was like, I was in his room, and I was like, I have. Got to go to a meeting tomorrow. I've got to go to one of these meetings. Like, God, to go to this group therapy shit. And so the next day, I went. But again, so so it was pretty much 2013, 2014. where like, I'm trying, I'm trying to make my life better by going, you know, to veterinary school. But you know, I have this addiction that I'm trying to fight because of this trauma that I experienced that I never got real, like, real healing from. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's kind of around the time where I disclosed to my parents that I had been assaulted. They blamed me. It was my fault for doing it, even mm. though I was a worker. Whatever. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I realized that I needed a healing as I was trying to make my life better to go to, to become a doctor.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I was like, this is an addiction. I need help. But I still struggled a, for a few more years
0: after that. Right. Wow. So, I'm curious about. Um, the sexual messaging you got um, as you were going through the healing process um, and moving from assault survivor to trauma um, trauma hoe, um, how did you reframe your mind to go from such a place of um, lack to a place of abundance or to a, a place of, um, that is more self-affirming?
1: Ooh, that's a good question Ooh, mm, that is and that's kind of like the phase that i'm in now right like i'm i'm kind of in like a saturn's return is so you know what what they would say astrologically i'm not really that big in astrology it's something i'm trying to learn more about but like i was a psycho bio major mm. your pre cortex is not fully developed until you're damn near 30
0: yeah and
1: it's real life but that that coincides with that whole saturn's return thing in astrology like you need your brain to be fully developed so that you can think about consequences, so that you can integrate, you know, um, experiences and, and come up with solutions that are less long-reaching, that are not just about short-term um, uh, gratification or about short-term, oh, I'm just trying to um, self-medicate, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a young person that's not fully developed in the head yet. So, I think I I, I was aging long, so I was developing mentally more, and when I went up to, you know, to vet school, up north for vet school, um, you know, I started going to 12 Steps, you Mm -hmm. know, to group therapy and stuff like that, and I just met the most amazing people, like, just, I think, if I wouldn't have gone, you know, up north, I think I could still be in the same problem that I was in, like... Mm -hmm. Damn! Like it, everything, that's, I do believe in in a higher power. You can call it whatever you want. Like I don't think God's a he. I think God's a they, them, or nothing because genitalia. God, why would God need genitalia? But if I think if, I, if, I, if God's gonna be anything, it's gonna be a they, them, or a woman because women birth things. But everything happens in divine time. And like literally, I met several people. I would say three of them are the most integral. One was like um, a former doctor who mm. lost his license because of his addiction and he's just like the sweetest um, most amazing body positive person ever he's mm. a nudist <laughs> so he's <laughs> telling me like he, he, he always praised my body not in a creepy way but he was always like you have a beautiful body you know wear what you want accentuate yourself you know if you want to swim in the nude that is fine that's healthy and I, I've done that a couple of times And it's the most healing thing. Like, the water is a very healing thing, and that kind of plays into my journey as well. Like, water cleanses your body and your mind and your soul. Like, Mm -hmm. that's where I found, like, a lot of healing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he helped me with that. Then I had another person that kind of was, like, helping me out, like a sponsor kind of person. And they were, like, Native American and they had been struggling with their Native American identity, but they had learned to integrate it. Mm-hmm. Because I think they were half Native American, half white. And <laughs> she was just, um, allowed me to be vulnerable without judging me. And I think that's a big piece, too. In order to heal, you need to feel like you can talk to someone in a place of non-judgment.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that you can just disclose. And she just, she just held space for me opened up her home for me let me pet sit her dogs she paid me a little cash flow because i was a broke college student what you gonna do she would she would would cook for me would spend time she let she let me borrow her new mercedes-benz dog
0: like like,
1: when my car broke down in the middle of the winter up there she let me borrow her new mercedes-benz she'd only had it a month wow she let me drive it in the snow like this person was like a mother to me and she taught me like you know the red zone is not the bad zone, because she was Native American, so, and she was also very body positive, she used to be a bodybuilder, all this good stuff, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she was really, I, because I had this programming in my head, like, if it's sex outside of the mirror, it's bad, 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 but she told me that's not, that's not true, and I learned that's not true, that was one of the hardest things for me to break, and she helped me break that, yeah, and then I had another friend, who was just kind of like this wise, you know, sage woman who, even when I would just see her post online, I was like, because we were in the same, she lived a little bit far away from the the meeting that I would go to, but she would come occasionally, and when I even just saw, we had a Facebook group for the meeting, and when I would see her, you know, her post about, like, overcoming addiction and working on her addiction, her, her sex and love addiction, she was just so wise, and when I met her, we just clicked, like, we were instantly soul sisters, and she just had this, like calm peace about her this wisdom about her and i was like i need a piece of that like i need to get in touch with my spirituality because once i am once i love myself and i know that i am divine and that divinity runs in me that can't be extracted from me the society tries to make you forget religion tries to control you they don't mm-hmm. really want you to be healed that's why they they hate people that don't have have different religions, they yeah. want you to be controlled because when you're controlled you're sick and when you're sick you need them, you mm. think you need them
0: mm.
1: uh, they don't want you to find your own healing they don't want you to be in touch with your roots the easiest way to subjugate a body is to disconnect it from its roots and that's what they did for us, Janay, that's what they did yeah. for, you know, people, I have they killed off the Native Americans over here Yeah. you know, they destroyed they destroyed that and they're, they're erasing the Native Americans they want to make you forget about your roots and what land we're on? We're on stolen land. So I'm just this is making me kind of emotional. We're
0: on, yes. we're on
1: stolen land, you know. So it's like those people—they really helped, like shelter me and help me, like create a situation where I could be healed, you know. So like they helped me out, but I was still sick. But I was getting better. Like that's—that's kind of when stuff started to turn around. Yeah. And um, you know, the I ended up graduating from from from, from veterinary school. And coming back down to, to Southern Florida, and you know, I, I I had like a convalescent period where I was like, I mean, I was bloated, I was pale because of the lack of sunlight. My melanin was <laughs> suffering, and like I was just, I tried all of these antidepressants, I tried, and they never worked for me. So uh, long, put me in the sunken place. Mm. Um, well, butrin turned me into a raging bitch. Like, none of these things. Paroxysin gave me ticks. Like, nothing worked for me. Wow. So I was, like, literally, you know, during 2019, I was in a hole. I couldn't work. I I was still in my addiction. I just was, like, I would just sleep all the time.
0: Yeah. And then the pandemic hit. Oh, on top of that, it was a pandemic? And the pandemic hit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I was, like,
1: The pandemic was a spiritual time it's still a spiritual time but yes. this 2020 pandemic was a time that the world had to fucking stop to see you know all these people getting yes. shot george floyd getting killed that was a ritualistic that was a ritualistic demonic murder of george floyd Right. Yes. it was a demonic ritual right in front of us all mm-hmm. america had to stop and see it so yes. that time away where i didn't have to i didn't have to start my veterinary job yet and i was just healing that's mm-hmm. when I had time to pray, to make, to write after me, because I'm a writer. I've always been a writer, but I'm really actually trying to make something out of it now because I believe in myself now and I love myself now. Yeah. I was writing. I and this is what my book's going to be about because I'm like I don't know if I need to go into all the rickety details about all these sex escapades and this trauma hoeing but I was probably <laughs> going to focus the book on my a year where I just wrote. Mm. Wrote from july 2019 to july 2020 i i wrote nearly every day because uh. i was like if I, I need to write to get healthy i just I idea in my head like if i don't write i won't get healthy
0: yeah
1: and so that you know so that's what i was gonna call the book see healing because i was actually able to see that i was getting better and see a path to being healed yeah and so I wrote, and I took my—I bought a kayak, and I kayaked up so much. I was just out there alone, which is not safe. But I was out there alone, just pushing against the water, and just like feeling it on my skin, and like the saltiness of the air and the sun, just you know, activating my body. Like you know, it was—it was a lot. So it's during that kind of complex and period period of writing and speaking with people, and and going to the water, and you know. You know speaking good affirmations over my life mm-hmm. you know that I was able to kind of come to a place you know of of, of knowing that I was divine and loved and that I deserved good treatment I deserve good things
0: mm. I think that's beautiful that you got to the point where you said that I deserve good things and I think um as folks who um whether they've been sexually assaulted or not, um, people who are not in control of their body autonomy or have developed their own sexual agency, they there is a tendency to not feel as though you're worth goodness and excellent sex and or um, love or whatever that is. And so um, it starts with being like, yeah, I deserve this. Cause this this is worth it. I'm worth it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All of that. Like I, I really didn't think that I deserved. Yeah. I didn't think I deserved good sex. I thought sex was bad. And I, I didn't think I deserved good treatment. So I would I would spend time with a lot of people in my circle that were inappropriate. Completely yeah. inappropriate. I would act out with people that I should, uh, that I shouldn't act out with. You know, like just it was just so out of control. And like I just I would tolerate. I didn't know what I needed, I didn't know myself, so I couldn't love myself, Right. so I couldn't have boundaries, because I didn't know what was okay,
0: Exactly. and so it was just like,
1: so, I was so porous, that mm. I just, I couldn't protect myself, and then I learned like, no, you deserve to be protected, let's get to know who you are, yeah. and let's love this person, because no matter who you are, what your religion is, no matter what your sexual orientation is, any of that stuff... No matter how quiet you are, short you are, black you are, whatever you are, you're like a good person and you you're you're lovely and you just need to act like it and, and, and you, you not spend time with people
0: that aren't gonna honor that, essentially. For sure. So as you were doing this um process of healing and really just like dismantling and getting down to the, the bare roots of who you are as an individual and a person on the planet. Um how did that manifest in your sexuality? Um like did you how did how did um your view of yourself, of your body, um how you had sex? Did that did you see a change in that as well? Hmm, interesting,
1: good 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 question. So it was, like, in January of 2020, um, that I, you know, I was just, I was struggling because I was, I was acting out with a family friend, you know, who the sex was fucking mm-hmm. terrible, um, just, just so selfish and on his end, like, so selfish, sad, it was like, so compulsive and just, like, not even fun, not mm-hmm. even good, <laughs> and so... You know, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of this, you know. So I ended up going to, a, you know, a, a, a Haitian, a Haitian, like, voodoo, song, like a mambo. Mm. And like, she ended up doing a ritual for me, which she'd done the one before. Mm-hmm.
0: Haitian voodoo ritual. That's where yeah. we were off. Um, yes.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Okay. Continue. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So um in January 2020, yeah, I went to, you know, this Haitian uh, mambo, this, you know, voodoo practitioner and she did a ritual for me like a cleansing like new year ritual. Mm-hmm. And after that, like I think it was a combination of the work that I had already been doing and then, like, that was just another piece. And that's probably something else that I want to talk about, either in this book that I'm writing or another book, about, like, the tools of recovery or, like, the tools of healing, like, the multimodal. Because mm-hmm. it's not one – you can't just do one thing. Just going to the Voodoo Assant, it's not going to make you healthy. Just journaling is not going to make you healthy. Just going kayaking in the mangroves, that's not going to make you healthy. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of have to do – multiple things i think in order and it has to be specific to you and what you're trying to heal from mm-hmm. but um i went and like the spirit, the the spiritual ritual was very you know healing and beautiful and just renewing and that i think was the catalyst for me to be celibate for for for, for several months nearly a year because up until that point every time i tried to not bang it would not work like mm-hmm. I, I just I would, I would be like, okay, I can do this for a month. Nope. Like, mm-hmm. it just, I could not get, there was a time where I just could not get right. Many years. Yeah. And so, I was like, I was coming to a place of love, and like, this, the treatment that I was getting from that family friend, he was just on some bullshit, just like, so emotionally anorexic, it wasn't even funny. I was like... Or just, like, my father, but, like, way worse. Like, way... (laughs) And each time I would pick people that were more and more emotionally avoidant than my father. Yeah. And so I was celibate. And I tried to talk to some people, but they were, like, on some bullshit, right? I never had sex. I I didn't have sex for, for months, for almost a year. I, you know, was understanding that, like, my sexuality is to be cherished, is to be, you know... In this state, I want to spend it with somebody that I enjoy, and that I can I can be myself with, that I can open up with. Because up until this point, I would have sex with people, but my heart wasn't in it. My mind was, I was distracted as fuck. I wasn't thinking about them. I was like, oh, when is this going to end? Oh, my gosh, you can't even make me come. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you suck at sex. This is not yeah. fun. I'm not even going to try to make this fun for you. I'm not going to wear any lingerie because I don't care. I don't care about you because I don't care about myself. I don't care about myself.
0: Ooh. And
1: so... Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was celib- I tried to talk to some people. One one dude lied about his age, Um, and, and I'll I, yeah, I'll be talking about this, but one guy lied about his age. One one dude was a Muslim, and he was just an abuser. Like, he was just a religious mm-hmm. abuser. I'm like, bitch, I'm a witch, and you knew this from the jump, and I'm not changing. I'm not going to wear a hijab unless I want to. Oh. I'm not going to do anything for anyone.
0: um. Oh. He wanted you to change. Mm.
1: And he knew I was, he knew from the jump who I was.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not changing. Mm -hmm. And so, and then I ended up, it was kind of a funny story, I ended up meeting this guy when I was kayaking who introduced me to his cousin and then we started talking, the guy lived in Cuba, the the guy that he introduced me to, was so random. And I think that, you know, my now fiancé, is a very sensual person, mm-hmm. because in Cuba, they don't have a lot, mm-hmm. but they, they have, they have depth, and they have heart, yeah. and they're in touch with those parts of themselves, they're in touch, they know how to, they know how to stop a room,
0: Yes, you
1: know, with, with their sensuality, and it doesn't have to be explicitly sexual, mm-hmm. because even I have a co-worker, That he doesn't work with me anymore. But he's also Cuban. He's very, he's similar in that way. He's, he's a sensual person, but a reserved person. I mean, obviously you have your freaks, you have your freak nicks and everything that in Cuba too, of course you do. But, um, they can be very sensual, but very reserved and respectful and they acknowledge women, they treat women well, they defer to women. Um, but my fiance is like that. So he, 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 he took things slow. We took things slow and we just talked through the pandemic. You know, and we realized we liked each other, and we were able, the, the sexuality and the sensuality was able to unfold in a healthy, um, non addictive, mm-hmm. non compulsive way. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when I met, met with him finally, after months, nearly a year of talking, it unfolded in a very, again, natural, non compulsive, a loving way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so you need to make a connection with somebody. You need to really see if you even like this person, see if you have interest. See if they can be tender with you. See if they mm-hmm. are invested in you. See mm-hmm. if they will, if they're willing to hold space in their hearts, in their minds, in their hearts for you, mm-hmm. and, and in their bodies, if they will save themselves for you. Those are the things that I wanted and those are the things that I ended up getting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so then I was able to express my sexuality in, in a healthy, safe way Yeah, with a person that I love.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um I'm curious about Okay, so when I started this podcast, I have gotten tons of stories and they're they're all so absolutely incredible. And I know. I I I love it. And I've noticed that a lot of folks will equate ho to being sexually active. But you're the first one to mention your journey of celibacy as a way to uncover your sexuality or to get in touch with your sexuality so can you talk about like oh. this because yes
1: oh i'm surprised by that but i have listened to every i have listened to every podcast story. obviously i don't know the ones that you haven't posted yet but you're right no one really talked about a period of celibacy
0: Hmm. yeah it's true
1: um uh, and i think everyone's sexual journey is different. Everyone's spiritual journey is different. And I think a lot of it is just getting in touch with what your body needs and what your soul needs. Instead of, I was listening to what everyone else was telling me. I was, I was listening to the lack of messages from my parents, who didn't tell me shit about sex. (laughs) And they had an emotionally avoidant relationship. I was listening to the, to the, to the media messages of like you know you just gotta be a, this hypersexualized person working all over the place with your booty hanging out. There's that. Yet at the same time, like sex is shameful and don't talk about it either. Like you're either a whore or you're you know a, a prude. Those are the messages I got in the ni- in the '90s and the 2000s.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, from church, it's just like sex outside of marriage is bad. Fuck your feelings. <laughs> don't talk about masturbation. Don't don't even pretend like you're a sexual person at all. At all. Then I'm then I got assaulted, so I'm like, well, I'm just a dirty, dirty bitch now. So what's the point? Let me just hoe around in this, in this, as we call it, a trauma hoe phase. Yeah. You know, you know, you're just you're, you're sexually active, but it's not healthy. It's compulsive. Mm-hmm. So I think, like I said, working on knowing myself, writing out how I was feeling, reading back what, what I was going through, I was like this sounds insane. Like I sound crazy you know going to the water exercising losing some weight um eating better like i was eating a lot of acai bowls and those antioxidants probably started healing me too with the acai (laughs) um and just like i said i was speaking affirmations over my life like like I, i wrote them out because i am a writer spells whatever you want to call them i was speaking them over my life and so i was i was it was a feedback loop. If I say good things to myself, I will be, be—I'll be good things, and I will feel healed. And I felt like instead of having to white knuckle it anymore, like trying to be trying to be abstinent because everyone's telling me to, it was a natural progression. It was a natural fruit of what I was doing. It was like, okay, you need to take a step back because what you've been doing is not working and it's making you sick. Yeah. Um, you need to, your body needs to step back your soul needs to step back and you just need some quiet time it wasn't a specifically defined time you know I, I, but I was like okay it was just a natural it naturally came out of what, the work that I was doing mm-hmm. like I, because I was finally listening to my body I was listening to my, my, that small inner voice because I used to ignore that, that inner voice call it what you want you know, they call it the Holy Spirit in Christianity, they call it the conscience, your intuition. I tend to call it the intuition now, but I think, and this is something that I'll be writing about too, and I've said this before, religion is just a cultural interpretation of God's revelation. Whatever you want to call God, I don't care, it's cultural, it comes through a cultural lens. But it's, if you look at religions, a lot of them are very much the same, they have a lot of the same principles, and it's just, the, the, sometimes the humanness gets in the way of it, yeah. And let's and the, and the need for domination and power and control and subjugation and you know prejudice that gets in the way of it. But at the heart, we have a voice inside that we're told to ignore. But I was starting; I had I had space to listen to that voice, and the voice told me to, to step back, yeah, and work on myself.
0: Uh. and
1: that these people that I was around.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um so now uh okay, so you Yep. I can hear you perfectly now. So now that you are in this season of your life, um you have fiance, congratulations because it's I that's that's Thank incredible. You. Yes. Um how are you like what does your sexuality look like and feel like now? And what are you hoping for it to be, become in the future? Oh,
1: that's a good question. Cause yeah, that's, that's the, that is the phase that I'm in right now. And it's just, it's crazy because like, your sensuality is one thing, your sexuality is one thing. And then, you know, you have to have your own sense of sexuality and sensuality you don't need to be a foil for everybody else or even a foil for your partner that should be something that's inherent in in it that it's an integral part of who you are Mm -hmm. and as I'm saying this I'm saying it for my own benefit too because I used to think of my sexuality as a foil to other people's sexuality I Mm -hmm. would compare myself to the people that I was with like oh because you know they want to have sex with me I matter and like you Mm -hmm. know wow now because someone wants to have sex with me, even though they don't give a shit about me as a person. Yeah, they don't appreciate who I am. Yeah, but like so now, I think you know the the sexuality piece personally is you know about making sure that I, I get some dancing in because um, I do enjoy to, enjoy dancing. I've always like loved like Latin dancing and Zoom button that kind of thing. So I try to make time for that because I feel like. And even my friend back when I was up up north, I told her about this. Like, hey, I need to expel my sensuality and my sexuality in a healthier way. And she's like, yeah, dance is a great way for that. So, you know, you can... You know, Jamaicans are known for, like, winding up. Caribbeans are known for winding up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And just because, uh, you know, I'm dancing sexy, that I could be dancing sexy for me. It doesn't have to be for an audience. I could just be dancing sexy because I enjoy to see how my body moves. I have to enjoy what I see first. So, you know, I
0: you know you'll be dancing up
1: and you'll look at yourself in the mirror and like you enjoy the parts of your body the, the yes. curves of your body yeah your butt and your breasts and you know even simple things like your décolletage your hands you mm-hmm. know everything about me it's good these are these are healing hands you know i work as a veterinarian i might have getting scars on them and they're dry and crap as hell no matter how much cocoa butter I put on them so they're good and they're lovely and they're sensual and they're good for healing they're good for touching you know so dancing's a good one um and yeah I actually it's funny because today uh, it's Halloween woo
0: oh yes that's yes. right
1: and so it's ironic that you're talking to like I think the first witch on your podcast
0: yes because so. we're going to get into that too because I have questions
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. planted
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, I
1: masturbate, but I feel like I almost like the magic wand is possessed. Because, like, yes. I would love to talk to, maybe you could talk about this, today if you ever use one of those. It makes me think of crazy sexual things that I would never want to do in real life. Oh. Like, <laughs> it makes me think of, like, as if I'm possessed when I use it, because I'm like, I wake up and I'm done, like, I'm like, I don't
0: want to do that. Yes, it's so true. It's magical. Yes. It, makes it, big
1: of,
0: it does. You're like, you know what? So I think yeah. if I can use this by myself, I wonder what would happen if we had lots of people use them together. Like it's insane. You're just like but, what but what what where, where 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 what other places can we put this to make it vibrate and go fast? Like right? it's insane. <laughs> it's insane.
1: So, but- talking about this because like obviously i don't talk about my magic wand with a lot of people, or my blind with a lot of people but you know i feel like i need to be using my hands more i don't do that enough i feel mm-hmm. like i'm so lazy and touching yourself is something that is shame yeah and in, in the christian purity culture even though you're not having sex with anybody else this is my body i should be able to touch every inch of my own body and that's crazy that we feel like we can't touch our Bare bodies
0: minimum. yeah Yes.
1: It's there for a reason. So you might as well touch it.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: so I need to do that more. I need to touch my body more so I can get in touch with it more, because there's a vulnerability when you're touching your body, and I think I'm still I still have some fears about that vulnerability. Using the wand is kind of detached.
0: It is very detached. In a way. Yes. Mhm.
1: It's like a scientific orgasm and it's kinda of weird.
0: I I have so many thoughts about this because like I'm I um hired my therapist in order to help me get through all of this malarkey that I grew up in and like me getting my first sex with my vibrator and like getting connected to my sexuality in that way it's been insane and there's sometimes I'm like I feel like I'm a robot if I use this but then and I just I'm just not okay with this and then and then on the other hand I'm like but it feels nice but then I'm a robot, and I'm not supposed to be a robot. That's why I'm paying my therapist, so I won't be a robot. So maybe I should use my hands. Like I go back and forth, and I was yeah. like, it is—it's complicated. It is really, really it's complicated. complicated. It is, yes. Yeah. And I'm in the middle of it, so I don't have any conclusions. I can't help nobody. I'm in the middle too. I'm stuck. <laughs> oh, and we'll,
1: we'll, we'll figure this out. Like, we'll all figure this out. Again, yeah. Having this podcast again, thank you for having this podcast, Janae, because you're. Every time I've listened to one of the the, the podcast interviews, I learned something new. I've related mm-hmm. to something. There's not one person that I didn't relate to. There's not right. one story that I didn't get something out of. There's not one commentary from me that I didn't get something out of. And it's like, even as I'm talking about this, I'm like, yeah, I need to touch myself
0: more. I need to do that. Let's all yeah. touch ourselves a little. bit. We more. all need, need to, to touch, touch ourselves just <laughs> Yeah, Let's over ourselves. Like, yeah, I'm sick
1: of being afraid of my own body. I'm sick of. Mm-hmm. I still have some of those messages of, it's not okay to be vulnerable
0: with yourself. Yeah. I heard that over here in China, um, I have to double check, but I'm pretty sure, um, that if a woman, you know, they have like the social credit score here, so like, you know, um, they have like the regular credit score, and then if you're mean to someone, or if you, if you make somebody mad or whatever, then you, you can lose points. And then it's it's fantastic. It's like it's it's is this great. Is it checked by the government? Of course. So, but you don't officially like know what your credit score is. But if if your credit score goes down, then you could have problems. So, anyway, one of the ways that I know get excited in 2021, <laughs> 2021 friends. <laughs> but one of the one of the ways that women can lower their credit score social credit score is if they buy a uh, sex toys. So so yours is like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's crazy to me because China makes all the sex toys. So like they make them and then they export them, but then the women here can't have them and there's like the level of sexual repression over here. Oh my gosh, I have stories insane. for days. It's insane. Thanks. Insane, friends. Oh, yes.
1: Gosh. So it could always be worse. I mean, America has its issues. Oh my gosh, does it have its issues? It does. It's worse from people, China's worse. I mean, even from the Cuban people that I know, we think racism is a certain way here. There's, it, it's almost sometimes worse when it's not talked about, and in Cuba, it's racism true. is not really talked about. Right, it, it's able to fester, and people just they um dismiss it as oh we're all Cuban, we're all just one you know national yeah, you know. national group of people where there's no racism meanwhile you'll never you barely see you know black people in positions of power or of course indigenous people were killed off so you know they're not even really there which is right. what the
0: fuck exactly. The walks are gone so yeah, every, gone. So yeah. Just every country it's has like it's, so it's little things. things yeah every country has like their thing and um and as an expat like you have to decide like which things are you going to be are you going to tolerate and which ones you're not going to tolerate and mm-hmm. right now, I cannot handle what's happening in America, so I left. <laughs> but yes, right. yeah. Right. But it happens. Sure, sure. It happens. Anyway, that's on me. Yeah. Um. So we're talking about masturbation and the magic wand, and it makes you think all of these things. Um. So your incorporation of how did how did you move from? Were you, like, a non-masturbator to a masturbator? Was that your, your journey story? Or, like, they told you you can't do this and now you are? Did you accidentally... Oh, that's
1: funny. It's funny that you ask that, because I remember distinctly the first time I masturbated. Well, you know, the first time I felt, felt something down there, I was actually watching Wonder Woman. Oh. Low key, as a kid... Ha- Maybe you've noticed this. There's a lot of sexual and sensual kind of programming in a lot of even kids' shows. Yes. Like, I was talking about this the other day with a friend. Batman, the animated series, kind of sexy. Yeah. Like, okay, it's kind of dark. Very sexy. Like, film film noir, like, okay, Mm. come through. (laughs) You're stirring something up inside. Yep. And then I I remember one time I was watching Wonder Woman, and I was like, why do I have this feeling inside? Like, I just felt something inside, but like, I didn't know what it was, but... She, I mean, she's beautiful, I mean, she has a great body, and she's strong, she's fighting, and she was, you know, having to fight off these, these evil people, and so you felt for her in a way that was, like, she's beautiful, but you also, you worry for her. So I wrote that down there when I was a kid. But when I was 14, in my high school, the kids had, like, a little contest to see who could go, the, the males, the males would only do something this silly, to so see who could go the longest without masturbating. Mm. some people couldn't last the school day
0: Aww. okay that's
1: terrible
0: life is hard when <laughs> you're 14 <It's> so <laughs> can you believe
1: that some boys couldn't they had to you had to get the off day, just,
0: the, you like, couldn't the handle hormones it. is crazy yes. and
1: I think one person lasted two weeks and then they were the winner
0: Oh, so congrats. I
1: remember thinking I didn't know masturbation was such a big deal and I had, I had a little boyfriend back then yeah and you know we were both 14 you know we had one kiss and then the relationship ended it was a damn mess Mm. Uh, and so you know I was like I didn't know masturbation was such a big deal because I I had felt things before but I'd never done anything about it and so I asked my best friend at the time and I asked some of my classmates I'm like is this really that much fun and they were like yeah it is it is a lot of fun and I was like really okay well so I asked my best friend at the time I was like so have you masturbated and she's like yes of course and I was like well, you never told me. We're best friends. (laughs) How do I do this? And she's like, I'm not going to tell you how to do this, okay? Figure it out. And then she walked away to her house, and I was like, okay. Uh, okay. So I was supposed to figure this out myself. And I remember thinking to myself, Jesus Jesus is going to hate me. My aunt, who had died a few years prior, I was like, my aunt's going to hate me. She's going to see me masturbating. Oh, well. And (laughs) so I was in the tub, and I, like, masturbated. (laughs) And then yep. I definitely had an orgasm for the first time. And I was like, whoa. And so then I would masturbate for a little bit for like a couple, like maybe a year. But then I, I fell off. like, And I would back and forth do it, but I always felt sub, like self conscious about it. Like I mm-hmm. never was a big masturbator. Mm-hmm. Not because I didn't think it was good. I just, and I didn't, I knew it wasn't wrong. I knew that. But yeah. the programming was still like, it's such a vulnerable, it's a vulnerable place to be, it's a, it's a part of yourself that is often forgotten, and that society does not uphold, or doesn't uplift, so I just really never got into it, I was never, when I was going through my addiction, I, I was never a masturbation addict, although I know people that did struggle with that, I never was, Mm -hmm. I couldn't get that close, because maybe being, being with yourself, masturbating, is even more intimate then being with another person, I'd argue.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Even to this day, I, I feel like um, touching someone. Oh, <laughs> I'm doing my fingers like this? <laughs> um, touching someone, I feel is the most is the most um, emotionally uh, intimate act. Yes. I feel like physically, maybe oral sex is, and, and maybe spiritually you know I mean I don't mean to be heteronormative but penis and vagina sex or even vagina to vagina, penis to anus, whatever, that kind of penetrative sex, I think that's the most spiritually intimate. But I think emotionally it's the it's the touching someone. It's
0: touching, yeah. 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 I I had a situationship I, last year and he was a giver toucher and I yeah. will talk about I, him until I'm eighty five years old. And it yeah. was It was glorious, absolutely glorious, yes. Um, And I learned so so much. Pro, I don't really know. Um, His name is uh, his name is Pillow Alarm Clock. They all have names. Did I tell you about Pillow Alarm 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 Clock? clock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So um, it was Pillow Alarm Clock, and um, I learned so much about my body and about what sex is and and emotional connection and all the thing and with touch and just being able to be present in my body during sex, like, because I don't know if you've experienced this before. I was processing this, um, a few weeks ago, but like having sex with someone, but not feeling or being touched at the same time. Have you felt this before where there's like, I mean, that's a really great way to articulate it. And definitely
1: yes, yeah, like, you're having sex, but you're not really there. Like you're not. You're not. There's no concern. You're not right. really being touched. You're not. You're, like your heart's not being touched. Your soul's not being touched. Because sex is multi. Again, multimodal. Yeah. You know, it's not just the physical part. Right. It's the your heart needs to be in it. Like your emotions need to be in it. Your spirit needs to be in it for it yep. to be good. And you know, you're talking about pillow alarm clock and how it seems like you guys. You were intimate. Would you say for sure?
0: Like for, intimate sure. in
1: many ways.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, and I can say that about my fiance as well. But like, I remember thinking, like, I was like, "This feels very healing." I thought that I was like, "Wow, this." And I, I never expected to think about that. I was like, "This is gonna be awkward." I haven't had sex in a year. I don't even
0: <laughs> think I remember how
1: to, how to do this. Do I remember how to have sex? Ugh.
0: Yeah,
1: it had been that long that I was like, "I'm not sure if I know how to do this anymore." Yeah, but it's it was like we were in the moment we were present, and you know we were just enjoying it and there was a desire and there was a desire to be close. And, you know, that's another way to express your sexuality in a healthy way is to be with somebody that you can meet those levels with yeah. and that you can explore and feel like you're safe to explore. Like we talk about, Oh, like we can try this toy if you want, we can try these positions if you want. And we talk about it Mm -hmm. so that it's mutually beneficial for us.
0: Yeah, Obviously with the pandemic,
1: I haven't been able to see him in a year.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, life so. is so hard. But yeah, I'm yes. glad you
1: mentioned the alarm alarm clock. Like, you know, it was a really it was essential experience where you felt like you were actually being touched, other than instead of other experiences where maybe you didn't feel like you were being it's, yeah touched emotionally.
0: It's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've learned yeah. so many things, so many things. Okay, excellent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, I want to know about you being a witch because this is so yeah. cool um i need like a a witch 101 class because i don't know what this is and yes <laughs> what is, well, what is this you
1: know yeah i mean you know a, a witch Witch, i feel like is a little bit of a political term right yeah just like for instance i'll, I'll give you an analogy you know, sexual sexual orientation, right? I would identify myself as bisexual, right? Mm-hmm. And I even do some advocacy work with bisexuality. That's a label that society makes me choose. Does it fully encompass everything about my sensuality and my sexuality and my romantic orientation? It does not necessarily. And I'm very like I'm I'm mostly attracted to men, very heavily attracted to men, right? But My I'm open to the experience of being a human being. That's what my sexual orientation really is. I make room and I have space for that. So politically I think I align and socially align with that term bisexual because I I support the idea of people being free. I support them being able to reclaim their sexual orientation and that and that and you know, that's kind of I'm making a statement. I could easily just hide behind my heteronormativity. I could easily do that and behind my straight passing privilege. Just like I could hide behind Christian passing privilege or whatever. You know? You know, I'm not I'm not rocking a pentacle every day with black long black coffin nails. I'm not doing that. But I feel like using the term witch, it means that you are Kind of allowing, because it, it's a term that you know society wants to place on people that have alternative spirituality, or they have they practice indigenous spirituality that's not necessarily necessarily like the spirituality or the religion that's uh, the major religion of the area. But I'm choosing to accept the prejudice. Not that I'm some martyr or something like that, but like if if you want to think that I'm bad and terrible and. and, and and just, you know, an evil person for using that term, it's, it's, it's also a good litmus test for people's mm. ignorance. If I say that I'm a witch and you have a problem with that, then I don't want you in my life, because it shows me that you're already ignorant. Yeah. There are other words that I use to describe myself. A sure a shore sorceress, a sea enchantress, a spiritualist. A witch is just somebody, uh, uh, in, the base, in the most basic sense, that is in tune with nature, in tune with their divinity, and in tune with the messages that they receive from the universe, and they use their intention to craft their world. That's all it is. It's, and, or it's, a, it's a, wise, a wise person, usually a woman, but a witch can be a man, a witch can be a any gender, you know, you don't have to make a gender specific, but it's a person that uses their experiences um, to heal themselves and others. That's all it is. Just like a shaman, a shaman is, and that, I'm on the goal to being a shaman. That's what I, I want to be. I mean, I have my muggle job as a veterinarian, but like a shaman is someone who goes through trials and they heal themselves, you know, through tribulations, mm-hmm. and then they go on to heal people with their stories and with their spells or whatever, whatever you know, they use. I'm more of a writer, so I try to heal with my writing, and I'm a talker too, so I, I heal with my talking. Yeah. So you know, that's really what a witch is to me. And, you know, you can be a witch of any type, you know, like obviously, like I said, I like to write, so I'm a little bit of a word person, but I'm very connected to the sea and I, you know, I, I gain messages from the sea. That's where I feel the the closest to myself, the most vulnerable, the most open to, you know, what the universe is trying to tell me, what that still small voice is trying to tell me. I feel like I'm open to that when I'm in, in the water. So I would identify mostly as a sea witch. But you know, whatever your bliss is, whatever your talents are, you can incorporate that into your magic. Because I think we're all magical. I just think that we were taught that we're not, and that we need to look outside of ourselves for validation. Mm. Uh, but I, And I say this, Jesus was the biggest witch of them all. Mm. Okay, the, the person walked on water, he turned water into wine. You know, he fed, he fed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and fish. True. You know, and I say this, you know, uh, prayers are spells, miracles are magic, and Jesus Jesus was the biggest witch of them all. And you can run and tell that homeboy. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> like,
0: it's, yes, I
1: mean, what do you call mm-hmm. what Jesus was doing in the Bible? That's witchcraft.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: someone, if someone told me that they were walking on water and doing all this stuff, you'd be like, that's a witch. Yeah. So... Obviously, you know that's a very fantastical, maybe even allegorical, you know, stories. But the principle still stands. It's just someone that uses their intention to craft their universe, and that's what Jesus did in the Bible. So he's he's a big old he's a big old big old sea hag uh, <laughs>
0: walking
1: on water and shit.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, so
1: that's what I would that's what I would say. Does that kind of make sense? Like that, we,
0: yeah, it does.
1: Translates to other cultures. I mean, that could be of any culture. I think that it's a pretty universal definition. It's my definition, I guess.
0: Yeah. So then, um, how have you incorporated um, your being a witch? And you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you had several, like you're dabbling in lots of different spiritual modalities and things. So like, what is your spiritual practice looking like? And then my next question is going to be how that is... um, influencing your sexuality and sensuality
1: yeah hmm. good question so i mean i obviously i think i'm a, a lot in like the research phase like right now i wouldn't say that i claim a specific religion um so i feel like i'm most influenced by like west african religion and even some like native american religion because you know obviously like i was mentioning earlier we're on native american land we're on first nation land my parents they're from Jamaica, you know, yeah. they, they've been there, my family's been there for several generations. They're on Arawak, Taino land. Yeah. Um, so that's that That influence is going to be there regardless.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, but as far as a specific religion, I don't claim one right now. And I may never claim one again. I don't think you have to have a religion to be spiritual. Um, but I guess right now my spiritual practice consists of, you know, I, I tried to make a daily routine. It's hard being a veterinarian. Holy crap. Like, it's hard to. And I work different shifts, so it's really difficult. But I'm trying to be. Now I'm more intentional about, you know, meditating every day. Because I just need to be. All of the distractions, like I love me some Instagram, everything. I try to meditate so I can get away from that. So I can come to center. Because I have a lot of anxiety. That's another reason why I self-medicated for a while. Because all this religious programming gave me anxiety. All this sexual assault gave me anxiety. So meditation really helps to calm me down and to listen to myself and listen to... Let let, let the streams come. And let the thoughts come. Mm -hmm. And I can sort them out. Um, And then I do tarot. Like tarot cards. Like I do readings for myself. Or oracle cards. I don't know if you're familiar with those.
0: Uh, I got a couple tarot readings, but I don't know about the oracle ones. Yeah,
1: pretty much. So, so, um, oracle cards, they, they don't follow a certain, like, um, suit. They can be pretty much any amount of cards. And they're just, like, daily messages, pretty much. You can just pull a card and it has a message, but, and you can, you can do spreads of them. But tarot cards, they, like, follow a certain, like, um, the writer, Wade Smith, they follow a certain, um, Mm -hmm. uh, pattern I guess and and each suit means something and when they're mixed together like I'm still learning myself yeah but just like in regular a regular card card game or whatever regular deck of cards there are suits you know Mm -hmm. so tarot is similar in that regard that like certain suits mean certain things certain cards have certain meanings and paired together they have different meanings yeah but really I mean again tarot was something I thought was evil when I was younger of course Ouija boards, even recently I really thought those were still evil, but you know what I realized? We've been lied to, and I say <laughs> this, I'll say this till the day I die. We've been lied to mm. that, like, there are different practices that you can use to just get in touch with your own psyche. Mm. I'm not going to be able to tell the entire future using tarot, and I don't think you need to do that. The cards mean what they mean for you. Yeah. You, you, the cards aren't telling you something that you don't know. You know. You just need a confirmation sometimes or just to see it in a different way. That's really all it is. It's not some evil boogeyman or some devil is inside the car. It's not even that. Mm. It, it's literally just, oh, I'm going to pull these cards. And it's kind of like a Rorschach test. It's mm. kind of like one of those Rorschach tests where, like, it's whatever you see. Yes. And then you apply that however you need to apply it to, to heal whatever you're going through, whatever problems you're going through. Yeah. So I do some tarot. And, you know, I say affirmations every day. Like, there, you know, there's two affirmations that I wrote when I was kind of healing, like during that period where I was journaling and stuff like that during the pandemic and everything. And then I wrote those affirmations and I try to say those daily. And even like, I'll say this. Before I got my job, and even before I got my fiance, I made two, I did two spells because I, I could I could do more spells. That's another thing. I need to masturbate more. I need to do more spells. <laughs> but I, I, I made a spell because I was so worried about veterinary school because I went through so much. Like veterinary school was a shit show. I was sick. I was very sick, but I couldn't talk to anybody about. it. I was alone. You know, I had mentors who abused me, mm-hmm. who even sexually abused me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in my field. So that's the thing that happened, um, and I was just very sick, and I all I wanted was a good mentor. Yeah. And so I made I made a prayer, a spell, whatever. Again, these are all just words. Human words can't can't fully describe the experience of divinity. Yeah, they can't. We just try the best we can. But yeah, I wrote about how I wanted a mentor that would cherish me and to make me the best person that I could be. You know, and that's that's in there, and you know prayed for a good salary, that I could be an advocate for animals, that I could be their shield. Yeah. You know? And that, you know, like, the knowledge that I have that it won't leave me. Mm -hmm. You know, I I prayed for all that stuff, and I did it for days and days and days, and now I say that, you know, anytime I have to go into work, I say that prayer. Yeah. And I even prayed one about finding love, and I I don't really believe in doing love magic in terms of, like, I want this person, I'm going to bind them to love me. I don't believe in that. Some people do. I don't. But I, I, I said, make me the person that I faithfully seek. Make me that person. Because mm-hmm. I know that in order to have love, it has to flow in and out of me. Yeah, I can't attract what I'm not. Right. So I pray that I be loved. Yeah. And that's how, and I, I have my fiance now. So mm-hmm. I, I pray those things. And then, like, my other affirmations that I say, you know, I just, I talk about how there's nothing that I fear and that I'm whole essentially. I'm whole and I'm healthy, and I have everything that I need in this life and every other life. Yeah, You know? And I, and then I just, there's another prayer that's kind of like sea, it's very sea witchy that I use, and it just, I'm, again, I'm, a, I'm an animal person, and so in that prayer, I call on the different strengths of the different animals that I, that, that I feel like are my spirit animals. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Florida girl, so like, I, I talk about manatees, I talk about um, the calmness that they have. I talk about the strength of the alligator. You know, I talk about, you know, how the stingray, how how it glides through the thermocline. Yeah. Like, I talk about those things. Yeah. And I just feel peace because I'm drawing on that, that animal's strength and wisdom. Mm-hmm. So, like, those are some of the practices that I engage in, like, I try to engage in on a regular basis. Oh. And I'm still learning, but... It it works for me, so no one can ever tell me again that like which fact is bad or that like I have to be a Christian to be a good person. Because if I would have said a Christian, I would have still been a, a sex and love addict. Yeah, I would still be addicted. So mm-hmm. I know this works for me. And if you, if, if you want to call me evil, if you want to call me terrible, just call me whatever you want. Like Eminem says, I am whatever you say I am,
0: but yeah.
1: I'm really not because I know that y'all apparently y'all want me sick if you want me to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. If you want me to still be in this purity culture thing. If I would have still believe in purity culture, I probably would still be a, an addict. Yeah. But I was able to, you know, work with my own spirituality and love myself and realize that, like, maybe I need to tap into what my ancestors believed and tap into that side. Yes. And then I was able to be celibate. It wasn't hard.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: So, okay, but I guess I'm some evil, terrible witch bitch. Whatever. <laughs>
0: Ah, evil, I'm terrible witch bitch. Absolutely. I'm really yeah, not. Yes. Like, I'm a good person and I'm
1: healing myself. Yep. I'm being healed through a connection with God that works for me. Right. It's different for everybody and that's okay. Right. Religious freedom, is a, spiritual freedom is okay. And I'll fight for that until, I, until there's no breath left in my body.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So there's an activism component to it too, being a witch, I, I would say. If you want.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, okay, so before we close today, uh, I mean, I'm checking my notes to make sure we got all the pieces. Okay, we did. Um, can you share a bit about, um, like, last minute, I forgot to say this, and I want to say it again real quick, or this is really important, and I want to say it real fast one more time for the people. Do you have anything, or you got anything out that you want to say?
1: Um, oh, I guess I'll just say... My main goal, like, right now, as far as, like, spirituality is concerned and, like, writing and all of that is just I don't want anyone to have to suffer unnecessarily or suffer for as long as I did. Mm. So that's why I'm a little more vocal about it than I maybe was in the past because I was like, wow, I wish I would have known this before. If I reincarnate, will there be some kind of, like, Signal that I can leave for myself in this life. That like, so I don't have to go through this bullshit, Again. you know, purity culture, religious indoctrination, abuse that I'm still healing from. Is there a way that I can like leave a message for myself in <laughs> a ball or some shit? So it's like I don't want anyone like there. There's another way. If you feel like you know any religion that you're in, what? Because there's religious abuse in all religions. There's. I've been. I've been um harmed by people that claim to be spiritualists. I have been harmed by them. You have to pray for your discernment. You have to you have to um manifest discernment and know yourself, know your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Even in a secular way. You just need to know your boundaries. You don't even have to be religious. You can be an atheist. I don't care. You can be whatever you want. Yeah. But if, if whatever if you whatever you're doing religiously or spiritually is not working for you, if you feel like you're abused, if you feel like um you're not you're not edified, if you feel like you you're you have these displacement behaviors Um, that are born out of your resentment or out of this indoctrination, out of this self-loathing, there's another way. You can pick a different religion. You can have no religion. You can, it's in you. The spirit is in you. You have breath. There's a, I mean, Mm. even if you don't believe in all the woo-woo, I know as a veterinarian, I know this might be a a little bit graphic, you might have to put a trigger warning on this, I have to euthanize animals as a living. Yeah. And not as a living, but like that's part of my job. I see them die.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm
1: very... I, I deal with death on a nearly daily basis as an emergency veterinarian. You can feel when the breath leaves them. I feel it. There's a spirit inside. We all have that inside of us. Mm-hmm. And it's going to look... Honoring that spirit, honoring your ancestors, honoring mm-hmm. yourself, because we are our ancestors... And science and and religion, sorry, science and spirituality are not really exclusive. I am a a medical professional. But even I know, my DNA, my ancestors literally live in my DNA. They literally live in me. Mm. If you need to, if you feel like in order for you to be a better person and to elevate yourself, that you need to have a different religion to get out of your sickness, you can do that. You have the freedom to do that. That's and i will let everyone know that like i will tell as many people as i can that you don't have to suffer and i don't want anyone to suffer for as long as i did like yeah. so i i want you i want people to be healed and to be happy and to be edified and to feel like they're highly functioning and i want to be that so that's kind of my main message
0: oh my gosh yes okay um can you share with people how can they find you follow you send you love Um, all of those things, Um, projects you're working on that people can purchase, or, yes, what are you doing?
1: Sure, I'm not much of an entrepreneur, but yeah, so, um, you can find me on Twitter, you know, and Instagram, both the handles are cat mangrove, so cat, yeah, as in the animal, mangrove as in the tree, cat mangrove, Um, it's all one word, all overcase, Um, so I just write about, religious deconstruction I write about spirituality I write about witchcraft I write about body positivity body autonomy and just like fighting against you know oppressive systems is what I pretty much write about it's a (laughs) lot of ranting but whatever I find like inspired to write about I just write about that and then I am working on a book right now um so you know about that journal that I was writing for a whole year when I was able to get out of my addiction Mm -hmm. um and you yeah, know the working title is see healing. So uh, you know once that's together, I definitely will you know post about that on my Instagram, my Twitter. So be on the lookout for that. Because um, nice. I just I just want people to know. Like I said, there's another way. And if I can help even just one person, like I'll feel like I'll be at peace. Because oh. um, people help me, so I want to help people too. You know. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to talking to people, and I, I love i been loving reading your stuff, like listening to the podcast reading everyone's stories and it's just it's such a wonderful community like this you know f purity culture community is just like it gives me life and we're all different yep. some of us are atheists some of us are agnostic some are still christian some are muslim some are ex mormons some are witches like yep. we're all different but we all are so supportive of each other mm-hmm. and that's where i really see an example of someone who's a christ follower yeah. I've seen that in the, in the deconstruction community. That's what a real, you know, person that's trying to be divine is, is. Yes. When they're able to make space for people that are different. For so sure. I'm just loving it. I'm loving the vibes. Oh, and
0: the healing. Excellent. I'm so excited. I will be sure to post all of the things on my Instagram page and then um, all, of the, all of that. So thank you so much for your time today and for dropping all of these gems. I've loved it.
1: Oh, Janae, thanks for being here and thanks for your podcast. I really appreciate like everything you're doing. Like, it's important work that you're doing, and like I said, it's elevating the people, and it's getting people in touch with their sexual side and their sensual side, and um, embracing embracing that, you know, and, and and being like I said, unapologetic about that. So I love that. Thanks.
0: Woo. Thanks for what you're doing. Yay! All right. Yeah. Yeah, Cat Delmar. Dropped so many truth bombs, and I loved it. Thank you so, so much, Kat Delmar, for sharing your story, your vulnerability, your brilliance, and um, your passion for all kinds of spiritualities and um, encouraging folks to blaze their own paths and to embrace the unknown was absolutely spectacular and beautiful. Best of luck to you on your journey. If you, dear are someone on the internet and you wanna share your whole story, you are always welcome. Some folks have asked me, Is my story even worth being on the internet? And the answer is absolutely. Your story is yours and it's amazing and it is you. And so come join me on the pod. Have an episode with me. Come converse with me about your journey of being a hoe. It's so much fun. It's so liberating and it adds to the narrative, our collective existence. And that's one of the things that I love about being a human being. So, if that's you, friend. <coughs> if that's you, dear, find me on Instagram at holycoitus. Coitus. Um, Also, drop me a line. Find my merch. Listen to past episodes of different host stories. Tell your friends about my podcast and the work that I do. It's very important. And also, I don't know, add the folks who um, have been on my podcast. Follow their work, follow their lives. <coughs> yes, lastly, be a good person. Be kind to yourself, be kind to your partners, be kind to the world. Drink your water and take a nap, y'all. Life is hard. Life is too short to be stressed out. Until next time, y'all. Bye-bye.